This is the Money Made Better podcast by Libro Credit Union, helping you with the financial need to knows with your host, Lindsay Barnett. Welcome back to the Money Made Better podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Just a reminder, if you want to stay up to date with everything that we are doing when new episodes come out, you can hit subscribe. We are available on all major podcasting platforms. March is fraud month. And no, I didn't make that up. If you Google it, it is a thing with the government of Canada. I just learned about this and that's why today we are going to be talking about all things fraud. Fraud obviously happens all year long, but March is a good reminder to kind of highlight some things that are happening. I'm joined today by London Police Detective Constable Jeff Johnston and Libro's Operational Risk Specialist Meredith Boakley. Welcome to the two of you. Thank Thank you. you. Thanks for having us. I'm excited to have you two in the same room as me. Um, we were chatting a little bit before we started to record and the realm and world that you two live in is very different than my world. Um, I feel like you run into more interesting and precarious characters than maybe I am <laughs> used to. Something that we really want to focus on in today's episode is how to talk to your kids about fraud. Social media is a real thing. I'm a mom of an almost two-year-old, and I didn't think about how much social media comes into play in this day and age with regards to fraud and how youth and students in their early 20s are falling victim. So I guess, Jeff, maybe we'll start with you. Sure, yeah. What are some common frauds that you are seeing in the younger demographic? Definitely in the younger, it's <clears throat> big one right now on the rise is definitely sextortions um, with all the social media platforms. It's very easy to connect with one another, Snapchat, TikTok, uh, Facebook, uh, Facebook Live. I'm, I'm going to miss a few. I'm not <laughs> well versed in each, but uh, definitely not knowing who is on the other end of that friend like, that friend request. Um, and it, it can spawn very, very quickly into something not you know, not so nice for, for the, your child per se. Right. I'm going to throw this out. I don't know who will better answer because Meredith, um, obviously you work at Libro. So the amount of owners, those are our members, people who hold accounts with us who report fraud is quite low. I think that there's a bit of a stigma and a bit of an embarrassment with coming forward. Um, how how many frauds are reported roughly per month that you're aware of to us internally at Libro? So frauds and scams, we can get excess of 50, 60 within a month. Uh, it happens multiple times a day, and those are only the ones we're hearing about. So we know that there's more out there that are happening. Our youth primarily are probably the lowest rate of reporting. So like Jeff was saying, we, there's a lot of embarrassment. They don't want to tell mom and dad. They feel like if I get the police involved, my friends will make fun of me. So they keep it secret a lot. Uh, so getting that reporting out there is really part of what we encourage, as long, along with us trying to help them to recover some of those funds that they may be at a loss for. And then we can coordinate and help with those investigations with the police. But if we don't know about it, we can't help. So this is maybe a joint question as well. Once Libro is made aware of a fraud, would all 50 or 60 in a month be escalated to London police or are they only seeing a portion? So the victim themselves has to make that report to police. So all we can do is encourage them, give them reassurance that 
it's private. Nobody's going to tell the public what's happened to them. It is between them and reporting it to the police, speaking with us here at the credit union. So it's really just getting that trust and we encourage them to reach out, but we can't force anybody to report something. Right. And Jeff, from your perspective, outside of Libra, because obviously you deal with fraud on a bigger scale, how many reports ballpark are you seeing monthly? Uh, through our, our intake, so everything comes to our intake office and, uh, you know, it, it, we have spikes, there's ebbs and flow. Obviously we'll, we'll get hit hard with a bunch of a certain type of scam. It'll go on for a number of weeks, it might subside, but, uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to pre- put a number on, but like over the course of a year, you know, we're, we're several thousand at the, at the very minimum. The scary point, like what Meredith was saying is the reporting. And, uh, I think we spoke briefly before, but I think last year, uh, Canadian Any Fraud Center reported like $550 million in loss by Canadians. Staggering number, yes. However, um, the average they say is only about, they say under 10, but well, for number's sake, I'm not a <laughs> great with my math on the spot, but let's use 10% only get reported. So, I mean, that, that becomes $5.5 billion in loss mm-hmm. with the majority of it not being reported, right? So the, the key for us, much like I think Meredith said, is like we got to get, information we got to get the reports you need to call your institution your financial institution you need to call your police agency wherever it is right it needs to be reported or else we're always kind of playing catch up suddenly 500 million is sounding like a very small amount of money and i'll never see that much money in my life that's that's (laughs) wild when you think about that it's uh, it's a huge number for sure when it comes to kids specifically i say kids i mean teenagers even young adults i remember what it was like being 16 and maybe doing something that I knew better getting into a situation and at all cost, do not let mom find out. Now, my mom had a really interesting strategy of we were always on the 401 whenever there was like a serious talk because where are you going to go, right? Really a really great parental strategy. Do either of you have any tips for talking to teens? Meredith, I know you have an almost 16 year old son. You're a little bit more in tune because of your job. How do parents even open this conversation? I think they have to start with just letting them know what's happening out there. So parents are reading the news. They're seeing those articles out there. Let your kids know, hey, you know, if anybody ever reached out to you, don't accept a check from somebody on social media. You know, don't send money to somebody you don't know. Don't trust that that, you know, direct message through social media is actually your friend your friend's account may have been compromised. So if your friend's suddenly asking you to do things they've never asked you to do before, we always say stop and think about it. So you just got to pause. Frauds and scams, those individuals are going to pressure you. And the reason for that pressure is to make you panic so you can't stop and think. So really just proactively talking to your teens about it and then also letting them know if something were to happen, you're not in trouble. We want you to come to us because a lot of the time the teens or our young uh, tweens are trying to hide it and fix it themselves and it ends up piling up and getting worse and worse. Um, So it might start that they think they just need to send one e-transfer and it's going to solve the problem. The person's going to leave them alone. It's going to continue and it's going to continue for days or weeks. And it also affects their mental health, right? So if you think about it, if you're being threatened by four or five different individuals to send money or send inappropriate photos or videos, 
that's going to continue on. So it's hitting them financially. It's hitting them mental health too. So it's really important to build that trusting relationship ahead of time so that they feel more comfortable coming to them. Right. Jeff, when a fraud is reported, what, this might be a very unfair question. I should preface (laughs) that. What is the success rate in getting kind of to the root cause or finding who was behind? You talk about sextortion. Right. It, it's proving more challenging, I think, even in just my time in, in our financial crime office, um, things are ever evolving. So, you know, I can speak to say like a grandparent type or emergency scam, it was an e-transfer. We need you to e-transfer, say, funds to get your loved one out of jail. It's now morphed into somebody's attending, uh, you know, a federal trustee is what they're calling. It sounds official. It's a federal, it's a trusted person. Um, and they're picking up cash now at the door and you know the mechanism to track for an e-transfer there there is that ability but cash without video uh, maybe a, a vehicle you know a better description of the individual makes it more challenging for us um and then now with money leaving the country at the rate it does um you know western union there's all sort of all sorts of mechanisms to send money out of country very quickly I'm not going to even dive down the crypto rabbit hole but again it's definitely mm-hmm. used. Yeah. yeah. They'll it's, send e-transfers to cryptocurrency accounts or international wire merchant platforms. So we see the money going to that merchant, but that's not the end destination. That's not the holder of the money. So following the trail of money becomes harder and harder. Gift cards are also a huge one that are used. So they'll have the individual buy the gift card. They get the number off the back of the card that money is then removed from the card. You can't track where that's gone in the same way you could with a check or an e-transfer directly to a person's account. Right. So they definitely know the strategies to hide that money. They're smart. They, like, they, they've made a career out of it, right? They work just as hard at their job as we all do at ours. So they're just as professional as all of us. And they're just working in the illegal realm versus everybody else We talk about pressure and timing, and I think there is something to be said for spidey senses. It's easy to say as an older adult, typically if something feels a little off, it likely is, and I'll pause. It's not always the case for teens or young adults, especially you talk college, university might be in a different city. Are there specific scams right now that we are seeing repeats of like duplicates of that we can say hey look out for this red flag because this is kind of the hot trend of fraud right now or is it just so broad we we find on our end and i i don't know within all the various institutions if it differs but uh a lot of them are layered now so they're using parts of other scams or frauds and overlaying them so uh, they might be you know using an emergency scam to get cash to then you know, or a check perhaps, sending a fake check to somebody else, using, you know, money mules, moving money in and out of the country, different accounts, crypto, what have you. So it's not as simple as just, hey, here's, I'm going to print some fake $100 bills and try to spend them to get cash. That's very kind of basic, old school style of fraud, same as check frauds. We don't get many of them anymore. Um, Because like Meredith said, it's, it's a lot easier to trace something tangible right? Cash is, is hard to find, right? Get spent. It goes through a different teller, a different handout is, uh, you know, change for yourself on a purchase. So yeah. Off it, it goes. Yeah. So nothing, uh, anything you can think of 
can be used in a fraud scam is what we've been finding. Yes. Right. We're definitely seeing a spike in sextortions. Um, so those primarily will start on the social media platforms. Instagram is what we're seeing the most popular for the initial engagement. And then they move them off into different social media platforms. So they might say, let's start talking on Snapchat now. Um, so they'll move them to different platforms, extort them for money, keep the pressure on, or even extort them for additional videos or photos. So there's two different ways that that happens. Males are typically extorted out of funds versus females. They want more content, but it doesn't mean it doesn't go both ways either. Um, it's just on average. The other one we're seeing a lot of are teens are online. I always say teens are very tech savvy. They know how social media works, how computers work, the internet. But when it comes to banking, they don't have that same understanding and education as some older adults do. So they will fall victims for things where they'll be asked to deposit a check through mobile deposit and then send a portion of it. So maybe they're given a check for $5,000 and they think, oh, I just have to send $500 and I get to keep the rest because I was talking to them and keeping this individual company. The check will come back as a chargeback and then that teen can be at a loss. We've seen five, dollars $6,000 that a teens are at a loss for and they thought that they were making money by keeping somebody company and talking to them. And it goes to the layering that Jeff referred to is that just because you send an e-transfer to somebody, it doesn't mean the person who got the money is the fraudster. Right. They may also be a victim of another scam. They could be a victim of a romance scam where someone's promised them, oh, yes, I'll send you $500. Well, they did. They got 500 It just wasn't legitimate. It was from another victim. So it's that layering upon layering that occurs. So walk me through the process. Somebody has fallen victim to sextortion. They go to their financial institution. Maybe it's us. They report it. They decide they want to escalate it. They take it to London police. An investigation ensues. Are they still out the money? Like say, say it's $4,500 out of a $5,000 check. What happens there? So from a financial institution standpoint, the credit union is going to do everything we can to try and recover any money. So if there's checks involved, can we return checks? If there's e-transfers, can we report that to Interact? Are we able to try and recover something? So things do get reported. We do everything we can to attempt to recover those things. We also coordinate with investigations as long as we have our owner's permission to share, because of course there is the Privacy Act that there to protect everybody. So we get the permission to say, yes, you can coordinate with the police, help me out. So then we can provide information to police for them to continue on investigation outside of the financial aspect. So the credit union, we can only look at it from the financial side of things. You guys are looking at it more broadly. And then we also will provide coaching to that victim so that going forward, we hope they're not going to get re-victimized. Approximately 30% of victims of fraud and scams are re-victimized. Um, it might not be the same scam that they fall a victim to. Sometimes it's the same fraudster. They know they fell for something once. They'll give them a month, two months, or even a year, and then they'll go right back at them and try a different type of scam. So if we can provide coaching to that individual to protect them, to recognize the red flags, right? You know, nothing, you don't get anything for free. You know, if it's too good to be true, it is. So just looking for those red flags and coming to your financial institution before you complete the transaction 
and ask questions to say, does this sound okay? Should I deposit this check? We're here to help you. So coming to us first is what we always suggest, especially a new type of transaction you've never done before. That's a staggering statistic that I don't want to gloss over 30%. That's wild being re-victimized. Yeah, we, we get a lot, um, like Meredith said, that second scam. Quite often it's, a, it's called like a recovery scam. Mm-hmm. It's the same probably group or pod of, of fraudsters calling back the victim, but purporting themselves to be a recovery team. So they're, they're able to provide to you, Lindsay, say, hey, I know on this date you did this, this uh, transaction. We've found the person. We've got your money, but we require a small fee to recover and they're, you know, as a victim, you're thinking, okay, if several months have passed, um, how would this person know this if it wasn't true? So we, we do often try and reiterate, like, you're probably going to get a follow-up. It might be another scam attempt, like Meredith said, or these recovery scams. And we get people all the time, we try and warn them, and they've, they've already said, nope, not going to happen. We're like, well, it probably will. And they're like, no, I already fell victim to it. So by the time we are investigating the first one, they've already been hit with a recovery Again. scam in, in the interim. It's, yeah. A well-oiled, awful machine. It, it, yes, you said it precisely. Yeah. Is there months that we see more frauds happening? Like we talk romance scams, I think Valentine's Day. Uh, <laughs> rental scams, I'm thinking August, back to school. Um, is there like maybe one or two months that tend to be the worst or are these people just like out doing bad things 24-7? For us, it's, it's, I think, 365. Right. Scams are coming in. We don't have any lulls in action per se. Um, but certain types of scams, we will see at certain times. We're obviously getting into tax season. Here come the CRA. Pay your CRA taxes. We, they didn't get filed last year. Um, you know, like you said, the love of, or the month of love in February. Yes, there's romance scams. Um, we've had a huge rash of, of rental scams. Again, they're beginning of semester, so January's and and kind of that August, September, right before school starts up. Um, so we see patterns that way, but yeah, as far as that, it's scams every day, unfortunately. Listen, I'm still getting texts from the the Rogers outage. Exactly. I'm still, I, I literally got a text two weeks ago and I was like, come on, do better. And that speaks to, to them, <laughs> like trying to stay up with the times. Like we saw a rash of the Rogers ones. Yeah. We, saw, uh, we saw a bunch when... Uh, the government was giving back the plate renewal oh, uh, reimbursement yeah. fees. Texts were coming, press yes to accept. And they're trying to just solicit that information from you. Um, you might not maybe be at a loss in the moment, but they're, they're trying to obtain your, your information. They can then log into your online banking, try and open up accounts, uh, obtain credit in your name, uh, stuff like that. So it's, yeah. So tips to avoid fraud. And I'm thinking too, I just got a text message from a financial institution that I don't hold an account with. And it was so, this was the smartest one I've seen. And I like to think because of my job, I'm a little bit more savvy than Joe Blow walking down the street. But it said, um, your account's been frozen, call us. And it it looked like a legitimate number. And I Googled it. It was one digit off of yes. this financial institutions. And I, I, I paused for a second and I was like, oh man, how many people fell into this. I used to have an account with this FI, um, financial institution. I no longer do. And so I, I just blocked the number and on with my day. What are some tips we can give to younger adults who maybe one don't like, we can help them avoid falling victim. Um, so it doesn't have to escalate. 
I always say do not respond to contact information on an unsolicited communication. So if you get an email or a text message or even a phone call and they are soliciting you to get personal information or to verify something, do not give it. Hang up. Don't respond. Look up the number you know is legitimate. Go to the website, call the number on there. Don't use the contact information that's there. They're trying to trick you. It's low effort for the fraudster. They'll send out 10,000 text messages. If they get two people responding to it, it was worth their time. It took them two minutes to send those 10,000 text messages, and they just victimized two people for $5,000, let's say. That was an easy money-making business, right? right? So they know they're not going to catch everybody, right? But that two people who fall for it, it's worth their time. Right. Anything to add? Yeah, definitely. Jeff? Like Meredith was saying there, uh, it's just it's checking the right number that you're calling back, hovering over, you know, an email address. It might say Libro Credit Union, but when you hover over it, you know, you can manipulate the name of it and it's, you know, a whole slew of letters and numbers after um, just by simply changing, you know, dot and putting the dot it changes you know the user it changes this so it may look like it's from libro.union.credit or you know what have you so it's just making sure you know where you're clicking where you're where you're uh, calling uh, we do off uh, as well often kind of want to tell people like use a different device so if you've got a phone call on your cell phone you know you hang up you think maybe the call's ended there is programs out there that keep lines open so you think you're calling say back to Libro or your financial institution. And it's just your, it's just the scammers still on the phone. So, you know, calling from a, you know, a spouse's device, uh, a landline per se, um, just, it's just that added layer of just quickly think it's like Meredith said, like, just got to remain calm. Think, pause for that second. Why is the bank asking me for my information? They have it all. Right. Everything is on file there. What, why do I need to confirm with them? Um, it's kind of that, that, first step anyways at least recognizing it and if you are a parent who suspects your child has fallen victim to sextortion fraud i'm telling you the 401 ask them when you're on the 401 there is nowhere to go and if you just keep pressing i guarantee they'll crack i speak from experience uh jeff meredith thank you so much for your time today this was invaluable um resources where can people go for more information as a first step if they don't want to pick up the phone and talk to somebody So most definitely the Canadian Anti-Fraud Centre has lots of information, different types of scams. They'll let you know the red flags of those. Uh, The Competition Bureau has produced some great videos and uh, written content. A lot of people know it as the Little Black Book of Scams. It was very popular years ago. It's all virtual now. They've made YouTube videos that you can watch with your uh, kids, lets them know and illustrates how some of those scams work. Um, There's also cybertips.ca is a great one. It goes in depth and has some videos in regards to sextortion specifically. Um, So those are some great resources. And then bring them into your financial institution. Libro loves to meet with the owners and sit down and have a conversation. The more knowledge we can put into the hands of the owner to stop it before it starts, the better. And spread the knowledge. So tell your friends, tell your family. If you're a victim, tell your friends because you know what? That Instagram content contact you have 
If you are a victim on a Saturday, your friend's going to get victim on Sunday. So don't hide it. Don't be embarrassed. It happens to a lot of people. These fraudsters are professionals. So share your knowledge, share what you've learned to protect the next person. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, I was going to mention the same website, uh, <laughs> Meredith. You stole my thunder there. Uh, there's a couple others that we reference people to, and, and the one is needhelpnow.ca. Um, there you'll find a basically a, uh, a how-to for each of the major social media sites as to how to contact them to potentially remove content that has been posted. Um, shows you from an app, the mobile, and also like on a... On a Desktop. Desktop, if they exist still anymore. <laughs> um, that's, it's a great resource, uh, as is Cyber Tips. And then the other one, and I, I, I urge you not to Google it because it's nightmare fuel, but it's not the, the website itself is called Don't, Don't Get Sex Sorted. Uh, it's a Canadian site. Um, has a bunch of tips and great stuff, but instead of sending these images, it says to send these, and they call them, uh, they're naked mole rats. <laughs> like I said, I... I I made the error in looking it up and it is nightmare fuel. And it just says, you know, it's, it's a picture of this. You want, you want nudes and you send this naked mole rat. You're, you can't handle nudes. And that's one of the memes. And, oh, man. and uh, yeah, like I said, if you want to sleep tight, do not Google it. I'm for sure Googling as soon <laughs> as we sure. stop recording this. As did I when somebody told me about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Curiosity yeah. always gets the better of me. Thank you both so much for your time. If you've enjoyed this podcast, we'll be back again really soon, but you don't have to miss an episode. Just hit subscribe. We are available everywhere you are listening to your podcasts. I'm your host, Lindsay Barnett. This has been Money Made Better. We'll talk soon. Whoa.